Hi, and welcome to Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. And I'm Neil. Uh, this week we're going to be discussing what it is to be woke. Are you woke? Besides it being uh, grammatically incorrect, of course, what does the team, what does the term rather mean to people? We have to ask because in these times of raging polemic about everything, social justice, identity politics, cultural values, everything really, um, it's become apparent that what it means to be woke, in quotes, it means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. um, I guess when we were awoken, <laughs> I hate that it's grammatically incorrect, but I'm just going with the flow, right? When we were awoken, it was either nine. I think nine eleven did it for a lot of a lot of our listeners, um, or the aftermath. Let's say the noughties, the two thousands, <clears throat> and nine eleven was important because um, it was such a high profile event. It dominated the news cycle for a long time, and its consequences were immediately linked with nine eleven. So it was constantly in the news and therefore on people's minds for a decade, um, all the way up to, let's say, the 2008 financial crisis. So, and the, the theme of it, I suppose, what linked people being awakened in the sense of taking the red pill and becoming aware of the matrix and all that stuff, that analogy applied, or the metaphor rather, applied, had meaning for people on the internets, um, from the point of view of conspiracy theory, which of course was a pejorative term in the mainstream culture, still is, but it still is. But uh, it was, of course, to people who are choosing to go down that route of looking and studying and understanding as best they could what was really going on with these events 9 11, the war on terror, and so on was that it was not conspiracy theory, it was conspiracy fact. Of course, it's very hard to you know nail any one thing down, but there was nevertheless a vibrant discussion about it and then that itself of course became polemic and people took sides and there was infighting in the truth or movement and all that stuff but anyway that more or less defined the parameters of what it was to be woke for mm. about a decade um, there's also an overlapping theme with new age consciousness which obviously goes back further as well that's kind of you know 2012 as being a significant year interest in ufology the paranormal the singularity, all this stuff. Spirituality. Spirituality, of course. But uh, there was some overlap, but there were roughly two different um, ballparks in discussion of waking up to this deeper reality and so on. And then there's, an, there's another wave after the noughties, let's say, winter the teens now. Um, I suppose that's a starting point would be Andrew Breitbart, the culture wars largely originating in the US and by now everywhere fighting back that's fighting back against yet another um ballpark of being woke and that's the basic the, the liberal slash left um awakening uh that's the thing that drove forward you know with gay marriage um the normalization of transgender issues rights for everybody yeah, rights for everyone, social justice, and the apparently, um, I suppose the the the, appa the appearance of what was a sudden activation of many many things that have been generally more dormant or latent, 
since the 1960s or really only discussed in academia, but suddenly they were proliferating everywhere. That's that's the recent um, wave of what it was to be woke, to be awakened to the deeper reality. That's the one that dominates now. But it's interesting that you have then the term being used and it depends on who you are mm. and what milieu or aspects of reality you're looking at. Mm. And so it has completely different meaning for you. Um, I suppose it was a counterculture thing, an underground thing. But at, uh, these days you can find it used casually, not and not in a derogative sense, but in mainstream analysis. Um, and of course, that's coming from a completely different understanding mm. of 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 being woke. Um, yeah, I think there's ble- there's bleed there's bleed overs amongst yeah. the various types of of woke people. Obviously, like you said. Uh, going back to the kind of 60s and the New Age movement and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the stuff that people on the right-wingers complain about today, which is, you know, progressive values and social justice warriors and uh, you know, minority rights, minorities, um, rights for everybody, basically. That that has been going on, really. That that was given birth to by the... Uh, or that's part of the kind of 60s awakening, let's say, spiritual awakening. Because all of that stuff that uh, kind of people on the right or conservatives complain about uh, in terms of progressives uh, today, that's that's been going on. I mean, you can you can see videos uh, on, on YouTube and stuff of shows from the 1980s that are talking pretty much about exactly the same thing. You know, like even Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live skits and stuff like that, uh, and other kind of shows that broach those topics and are pushing those topics of uh, social justice, basically in the 1980s and stuff. You know, so it really began. Since then, it came out out of um, uh, out of that '60s counterculture movement, and but also anti-war came out of that movement as well. Mm. So the two developed kind of like on on, on the same track, parallel uh, in a parallel way. Since then, and then they kind of matured effectively, you know. Uh, and people, I suppose, you know, gravitated towards one or the other. People back in the '60s were involved in the anti-war movement in the '60s, who who today are, you know. They're obviously aging quite a lot at this point. You know, if they were twenty or thirty years old in the sixties, they're they're getting on now. But the those people are still a lot of them are still very much anti-war. You know, uh, and they're the same. You know, when nine eleven came along, it was it wasn't too too hard for them to accept the kind of conspiracy theory, the possibility that there was something going on, something else going on around nine eleven, or at certain, the least that it was used to justify and wars imp- imperial of expansion. expansion. Well, yeah, of course it did. I mean, that's not even a conspiracy theory, right? That 9-11 was used as justification for the U.S. military military to project its power into the Middle East and beyond is objective fact. No one can call that a conspiracy right, theory. But that's what happened. It's only recently become non-taboo in mainstream to say that, really. Well, that's bizarre because that's what, that's what actually happened. You right. know? I mean, you had Donald Rumsfeld after on, I think, the day or two after 9-11 saying basically... Uh, he wrote in his little memos that were released saying, uh, you know, sweep everything up, uh, basically about Iraq related and not, you know. So his mm. his agenda immediately after nine eleven was, how do we use this to get into Iraq to to blame Iraq or to use it to to justify a, a U.S. military uh, invasion of Iraq, which they did obviously um, less than less than two years, eighteen months later. Um, but first of all, they went to Afghanistan, obviously, and there's reasons for that that we've talked about in the show before in terms of uh, geopolitical motivations. Look, just look at a map of Afghanistan, uh, or a map of the world, and look where Afghanistan is. 
and you'll you should be able to understand why the US military wanted to plant itself there for the past what seventeen years and not and not leave <laughs> for no really good reason. You know, the reason that they're staying there is never spoken about. No one ever tells anybody why they're there. Of course Taliban and you know, helping the poor Afghanis, despite the fact that the Afghanis want rid of them and have want, wanted rid of, of the US for, for, for probably more than a decade now, probably maybe from the very beginning, most uh, Afghani people weren't that interested in the US being there. For 17 years, they've stayed there with no public rationale or reason given, except... And, and well, for 12 years, it was the hunt for Red Bin Laden. Well, around Afghanistan, like a freaking... <laughs> that was the ostensible... Keystone well, that was the, Cops or... The a, official a, mythos. They play the Benny Hill music, you know running around Afghanistan. It's true, but yeah, uh, obviously these have geopolitical ex- explanations uh, for why the US military want to do this. Um, it involves Russia, uh, and obviously Russia is a hot topic and has been a hot topic over the past five or six years. So, um, But anyway, getting back to the point, uh, <coughs> you had you had um, these kind of two tracks, anti, anti-war and kind of the more spiritual, more kind of civil rights uh, movement that, that Carried on from the sixties in mm. parallel, and uh, and they matured effectively over that period of you know thirty forty years. Since then, they matured, uh, and until you know, and you still have obviously the anti-war movement that, uh, as you said, focused on on nine eleven and uh, evil evil doings by evil doers in high places and stuff, and you know wars for profit, blah blah blah, terrorism, false flag terrorism, that kind of stuff. And then you had, at the same time, you had uh, a maturing of the of the more <clears throat> progressive, liberal, lefty, let's say, attitude of, of remaking society or, or uh, trying to find a way to make society uh, more uh, positive, a more positive experience for everyone to reduce kind of evil things like racism and sexism and xenophobia and, and that kind of thing. And it seems that just came to... At least on for for those progressives, it really came to a head, or it uh, it matured to the point where it kind of burst on the scene over the past uh, you know three, four, five years. Um, but yeah, um, the, the the conservatives don't seem to have anything wokey about them, <laughs> except maybe you could say that right wing conservatives have woke to their own tradition, let's say, or their own traditions and the need to enforce their own traditions. They've been everybody's everybody's woke or or has woken up to the need to defend their their ideology or their position or uh whatever it is they believe in basically. Uh, because it's a battlefield. So everybody's woken up to the fact that it's a battlefield in, in different ways and from their different perspectives, you know. Um but yeah, so it, it depends. I mean, it gets back to things of the topic I've talked about in the show previously as well is about the different the difference in in, in human beings, uh, innate differences in terms of their, I suppose, people's worldview or their pro- their proclivities, the things that uh, motivate them basically at a fairly fundamental and deep level. What they see, and that, that applies also to what they see. I mean, it obviously influences what they see uh, in the world. Uh, your innate characteristics nature you could call it will influence and filter what you see in the world and the way you see things that happen in the world so there's really no given that there's no way to uh, reconcile if there are those two let's say at least two fairly fundamental different types of human beings Mm. 
of course there's spectrums and stuff and people can kind of be a bit of this and a bit of the other but if you're talking about all the people on the planet or say in western society today uh, it seems that it's there is a, a fairly sharp division uh, you could you can you could put together a bunch of questions let's say uh, for maybe fairly oversimplified or black and white questions but you would get very clear different answers from different people for those for for those questions you know in terms of how society should function what their values are that kind of thing so uh and there's no like i said there's no in that case there's no way to really it doesn't seem there's be doesn't seem to be any way to reconcile those two people to get them to agree mm. that doesn't mean they have to fight but certainly you're not going to get both of them in the position where they've taken in, in the case where they've taken extreme positions you're not going to get them to agree with each other's extreme positions Mm-hmm. They could agree on some of the middle ground type thing, but apparently that's not uh, not very popular these days to to try and get people to agree on a middle ground. I I think the the conservatives, if if the, if, if there's any side, those leaning that way, uh, did did do some fairly wokey stuff in in terms of that that had profound implications. Obviously, the election of leaders that the system, the establishment, wherever it is in the West, especially reacted against and lashed out in fury um that's a pretty profound change obviously donald trump's election and also Brexit, yeah. but the other things as well um um and then there are pretty profound and and many of them are they're subtle things to figure out you know like the proliferation of in france especially five years ago there were mass protests that at first are like I had no I had no comprehension about what was going on there were huge protests of up to half a million people in Paris and other major cities, um, they were parents, school teachers, bringing their kids along to these manif, manif protus, protests for all or something. And mm-hmm. it was themed and they had waving their flags. And you, you got into the details and it was protested specifically about the pushing of um, gender theory slash sex education for very young kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of other ultra-liberal, really, stuff that was coming into the school system. Well, that's what I mean by subtle, where, it, well, I suppose it probably isn't subtle if you're a parent and the child's starting to say and do strange things. It's in your face and how you can't avoid it. You will um, feel a reaction to it. But it's more subtle in terms of the narrative they built about that because they're, they're, they are seeing things in conspiratorial terms, namely that there are there's an agenda for to push this, even mm. if they can't quite name who's doing it. Although mm-hmm. in France they can, they they have people they they have identified as the key promoters of these kinds of things, and they um, have reacted against it. So that that's fairly profound. That maybe maybe from our perspective, where it's, well, we don't want to toot our own horn, but the deeper, darker stuff of really really waking up to the matrix, they haven't gone there yet so to speak. But then there are, there is overlap where if you look at the conservative, in quotes, reaction in the United States, a lot of it does incorporate awareness of false flag issues. Mm-hmm. There was that upset over Benghazi, which never really got to the root of it, but it was awareness that the U.S. government does things in the people's name with their tax dollars that are just outright criminal, criminal according to U.S. law, international norms, etc. And they didn't quite, you know, follow it all the way through to Al-Qaeda is Mm. CIA, is Mm 9-11. But they have in other respects, again, with Syria. Um, It kind of gets 
murky where they start to say, well, Obama is a tr- was a traitor and he was a Muslim and he was part of the conspiracy. Mm. And it's a little too simplified a narrative, but it's still quite a profound realization that um, powerful interests are behind a lot of the ills in the last 15 years. In society, yeah. yeah. I mean, talking about powerful interests, they obviously, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a cliche, but they've obviously been trying to, the part of, there has been an agenda to divide and conquer Let's pe- let's say divide people. Maybe not conquer. I don't know if they're, they're being conquered yet. But I suppose to the extent that they've been divided and set against each other, they've been conquered. But that's that's happened forever, really. You know, where um, I mean, you take the fact that of all of the the news, even in the mainstream media, that's come out about um, the U.S., for example, and Western countries supporting in some way or other, arming, funding, or training jihadi rebels. You know, uh, Al Qaeda, effectively the ones who attacked us in 9/11, and how little outcry there was about that. Even when it appeared in like uh, the New York Times or whatever, and <clears throat> a lot of people were aware of it. There was very little response to that. They, they mm-hmm. expect you'd think that would be like a deal breaker for for the American people or for people in Western countries to realize that their government had actually been supporting the terrorists who had been attacking them and who had you know attacked them in 9/11 and been carrying out terror attacks in Europe. But that didn't happen, obviously. You know. Um, and I suppose one problem there is that people ultimately feel that they need to maintain a loyalty to their their identity, their their country, their their nation in what in whatever way it's configured. You know that it's uh, people are very reluctant or resistant to the idea of or, or suggesting that they should just you know uh, totally cut ties with, with their government and, and, and their national identity, you know, like get, like you're asking people to remove any sense of national pride or even into, uh, getting into their own identity and stuff, and that's something that's fairly precious to people, so I think people ultimately will allow governments to do all sorts of terrible bad things uh, because ultimately you need some kind of somebody to run the country, you need a country uh, in which we, we, we live and we need to have a cohesive national identity. I mean, people are more afraid, let's say, of have been more afraid of 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 social discord or social chaos uh, than they're afraid of uh, government leaders or people in positions of power, uh, you know, mismanaging the country or being corrupt or whatever. You know, they're willing to ultimately give them a pass on that because they realise that if they were to take any action, uh, you know, to try and correct that, they could it could end up in some kind of a revolution or some kind of a, uh, a you know social chaos. You know. Um, and that's been a problem, you know, because you know you're not go- so you're not going to get people to rebel against their corrupt authorities. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, ever it's the last it's the last thing they will ever do, you know. Um, but so yeah, division in that respect, you know, is uh, like identifying countries. You know, we're American and we got to stick with America, come hell or high water. And the same applies to other countries and the other country around the world. Let's say and the people that live in it. Um, so that division is kind of built in there, you know, as part of human nature. And then, so it's not surprising that you see then more smaller scale divisions among the people, you know, when they identify that they're a part of a group within the group of Americans, they're part of a, a progressive or left-leaning group or part of a right-wing, right-leaning group. Um, yeah. The the thing that triggered 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 me to even talk about this topic at all was I was passing through the Guardian website, very dangerous activity because you can just find yourself like, it's an interesting snapshot though on the liberal left side of what it is to be woke. Um, just just in 24 hours, they had one, two, three, four, 
five, four, one of them actually is a few years old, articles on being woke. Again, it's using the, the, the analogy or the metaphor used in the Matrix movie to waking up to the deep truth of reality, but the, the context in which it has meaning for them is so alien, it's like, well, that's nothing to do with what it was originally meant around 9-11 and to what it's meant to all those people going mm. online for their news these days. Um, it's really like, well, it's so out there. There's one, um, there's one uh, op-ed opinion piece. Uh, you know, it's, it's bemoaning that, that corporations are embracing socially conscious products. And that quote, we seem to have moved from an advertising ethos of sex cells to, to social justice cells. Hmm. Well, that, that's a good point. But she, she, the author has been moaning it, not because that has happened, but because it takes away from the authenticity of social justice for her. She, she, she's not right. saying corporations shouldn't do this, but they should do it more responsibly, more consciously. You should don't just imitate it and use it to sell your brands but actually mean it and show that you mean it. Mm. It's like it, the, the, she wants it to... to she, she, it, it's, it's, part, it's, it's part of the ethos that's driving what, what, she, what she herself is trying to sell, quite consciously at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, the ones I want to show people are a couple of articles on how to find Mr. Woke. Literally, they're, they're like in their culture section about finding and dating or, and or dating the socially conscious partner. Um, this is from yesterday. My search for Mr. Woke, a dating diary. This is probably another regular columnist. Um, don't know. Kimberly McIntosh, don't know who she is, but... Um, I took a vow to date woke men only. Let's scroll down. Can you scroll down to the more I learned about racism and feminism? Maybe halfway down. I saw the word vagina there. There it is, there. The more I learned about racism and feminism, the smaller the pool of potential suitors became. While being thoughtful, funny, smart, and able to put up with my unbearable flaws is a must, I became aware that my match also has to be serious about social justice to be my type on, this is supposed to be funny, recycled, sustainably sourced paper, but that kind of gives you an indication of what you'd like. Next paragraph. Today, my work involves researching the links this is what she does, her job, researching the links between race and inequality for two think tanks. So she's really like, you know, a true believer. For her, if woke means being alert to injustice in society, especially racism, then I am on constant high alert. A potential partner needs to be at least on medium alert for it to be workable. Eventually, I took a vow to date woke men only. So you can see that's clearly a specific definition on the previous, meaning for her. The previous paragraph, while being thoughtful, funny, and smart, and able to put up with my unbearable flaws, is a must. She, do you think she she's going to get a lot of uh, takers on that one? Like advertising that you've got unbearable flaws and you just have to put up with them. I suppose it's supposed to be. It's meant to be self-deprecating. But that's not. That's, you don't attract any men that no. way. By saying I'm I'm an unbearable old hag or something like that, you know. I mean, come and date me. I mean, uh, those people are bizarre. And and I noticed. I mean, I just saw it as you scroll down. I haven't read the article, but I saw it as you scroll down. And for some reason, you have to put the word vagina in there. All these like, like the last, yeah, just just the paragraph above. No, yeah, it's it's just the paragraph above the the one we read. Um, whatever, just make some reference to vagina. Very good. Um, 
I know, I don't know idea why you would put that in there other than maybe as a hat tip to to feminism or something. Because feminism is obviously so crass these days that, uh, you know, it's just, you can just shout vagina or something and, and then you're a feminist, you know. I mean, you've made a point. You've made a really important point by shouting vagina in the street. That's kind of how bad it is, you know. Um, but, I mean, we don't want to be too dismissive of progressive type ideologies uh, as they as they appear in the, in the world particularly in the west today because we understand that they have um appeal and we understand the appeal and we the, we can see how it's appealing even ourselves i mean obviously we're talking here about social justice to doing away with as much racism and sexism and you know xenophobia and and, and abuse of minorities all that stuff you know that the people in any one society would live together uh, peacefully and not be antagonistic towards each other. I mean, who can argue with that, mm. right? Uh, you want to when you go down the street, you don't want to see people fighting with each other. You don't want to go into a cafe or a bar or something and see someone being um, discriminated against or being treated badly. I mean, that's the weird thing is you would be we here, the three of us would be would be the first people, as I'm sure many listeners uh, would be the first people to step in if you saw someone being unfairly or unjustly treated in public, you know? Maybe it'd be a bad idea to step in, but you probably would if you could ascertain that those clear abuse going on, you know? And that would put you immediately in the progressive camp, right? You'd get a gold star, you know? But um, but that's not, we don't, you know, we don't swallow that hole, if you know what I mean. We're, we're not full-on progressives because because we understand that the, com- <laughs> the situation is, <clears throat> is, is pretty complex and... Um, and that the problems in society today, of for example, of where, where the where the left promotes uh, diversity and multiculturalism in Western countries, and that uh, everybody should be colorblind, there should be no uh, reaction, bad reaction to anybody. Like the West, let's say, is obviously predominantly a white, you know, a Christian or, or white society or societies. Uh, so anybody who is not white uh, or not Christian or both uh, should not be discriminated against in any way. But the problem is that this is happening at a time, what, it's 17 years after what we mentioned previously, uh, 9-11 and the beginning of the war on terror, where you had, which was used by the US and its allies to project military power and boots on the ground and, uh, you know, CIA shiny black shoes on the ground and corporate shoes on the ground into the Middle East for all sorts of reasons. But, you know, during the invasion of Iraq, 1.5 million Iraqis were killed. Uh, it was presented, the justification for the invasion of Iraq after 9-11 was that Saddam had some ties to Al-Qaeda who supposedly carried out 9-11. And there was also the claim by the British Prime Minister Tony Blair that um, and his people that uh, Saddam could attack the UK in 45 minutes. So they, they peddled a bunch of lies that demonised uh, the Iraq, uh, Iraqi, the Iraqi people, or Saddam Hussein, and by implication, the Iraqi people as kind of uh, bad people, bad leader, bad people. Of course, they give lip service to saying, you know, or give lip service to the idea that our 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 argument, our problem isn't with the uh, with the Iraqi people. It's only yeah. about these bad leaders. But and at the same time, when we go there, they'll welcome us with flowers. They'll welcome us. But they didn't do that after when they went there. A large percentage <clears throat> of the Iraqi people, I'd say, pretty much. A vast, the vast majority of the Iraqi people were against the invasion of Iraq <clears throat> and and the occupation, and also a significant percentage of the Iraqi people either took up arms 
or supported those taking up arms against U.S. troops. And those ordinary Iraqi people then killed a lot of um, killed a lot of U.S. soldiers and sent them home in body bags with in, in coffins with the stars and stripes. And this was, you know, um, those events were uh, presented in the, in the mainstream media to the American public. So after 17 years of that, and that's just that's just Iraq. You obviously have Afghanistan as well. You have terror attacks going on that were in, 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 invariably. Uh, blamed on Muslims, ascribed to Muslims. So it's not surprising, given that, that after 17 years uh, of that kind of propaganda and that kind of uh, experience that, that was had by the by Western populations, that you're going to have some segment of the population, at least, who is going to have some level of um, dislike or fear or, you know, problem yeah. in general with... Muslim slash Iraqi slash, and for a lot of people who aren't, you know, who don't think about it too much, it's um, it's just an amorphous group of Muslims that come from the Middle East, the general Middle East area, you know. But but for, uh, statistically, the the highest numbers, I don't know if they comprise the majority, but you can look at the flows of refugees slash migrants. Mm. Um, they came from three places: Afghanistan, Iraq, then Syria, beginning mm. twenty fourteen, and Libya. Right. So they are the four places that were right. targeted. So, so, so Western countries demonize the leaders of these Muslim countries in the Middle East area and by implication the people of those countries. And then when, as a result of the Western wars and bombings of those countries, you have an influx of migrants from those countries, the people who have a kind of <laughs> problem with that and knee-jerk reaction to the idea that effectively our enemies and the people that we have been uh, told by the media are our enemies over the past 15 or, or, or so years, now we have to welcome them in. And if I, and if the people in Western countries show any aversion to them at all, then they're demonized or condemned as being racist, xenophobic, uh, and pure evil, Nazis, whatever, Islamophobic, uh, by other people in Western societies who somehow have been able to overlook the fact that, you know, for 15 years we were told that Muslims are terrorists, and not only told that, but we had all had very shocking experiences, if not directly, kind of by, uh, or indirectly, through multiple terror attacks, you know, really brutal terror attacks uh, here in France, for example, the Charlie Hebdo attacks and the Bataclan concert hall attacks. Last year, you had the Manchester bombing, uh, Ariana Grande Manchester bombing, all, you know, and then way back 2004, Madrid bombing, almost 200 people killed in a train station by Muslims. Um, you had the seven-seven attacks, fifty some people killed by Muslims. I mean, repeatedly over the past fifteen years, the world, the Western populations have been treated to this idea that Muslims are, and they're not, they're not wrong uh, to the extent that that that, the, that that was a story they were told that Muslims are, are have a tendency to be caught up in or directly involved in. So yeah. you can't blame a lot of people in Western countries for feeling that. I'm not too sure about the whole I know, Muslims it, coming in. And even when the media goes as far as to say amongst the immigrants coming in from the wars right. that there are probably ISIS or Muslim terrorists in amongst them. But then at the same time, you're not allowed to have a bad reaction to it, which seems totally unreasonable. Yeah. Even just from accepting normal human responses, normal human nature, it's unreasonable to demand that someone does not have that kind of a bad response after that experience. And and to to demonize them, and then that to be used to divide Western society itself, regardless of immigrants. You know what I mean? It's today. It's not. It's not uh, immigrants as you might have thought uh, 
like immigrants against Western populations, the ones that don't like them, but rather that it's Western people, white Westerners against other white Westerners, the ones who think bring all the immigrants in, it's fine, none of them are terrorists regardless of the propaganda, and the other ones say, who say, hang on a minute, the propaganda says these are, uh, these, some of these people are, are might be dangerous and it's not a good idea, you know. So it's totally unreasonable to, I mean, you know, for anybody to say that, you know, that right-wingers or conservatives or whoever, anti-immigrant people have, have no case whatsoever and they're just pure out-and-out inveterate racists and they should be condemned, they should be, you know, they sh- and they should be forced to accept the immigrants. Well, hang on, I mean, that's not fair. And you're only going to create conflict if you try and force those people to do something that arguably uh, is not a reasonable thing to do. Or, or to force them to back down from their position, which is arguably a reasonable position. Mm-hmm. So that's why we tend to kind of criticize the left, the more radical, outspoken, progressive lefties, because they're pushing the situation too far, too fast, and against um, years of, of, of propaganda that, that says, yeah, you know, Muslims aren't really, don't really like us. <clears throat> they're kind of, some of them, a lot of them anyway, don't like us. And sure, maybe a lot, the majority of them have no problem with us. But how do you separate out the ones who do like us and the ones who don't like us? And how do I know? You know, if I'm walking down the street, how do I know that this group of young guys are the ones that have no problem with Western society, as opposed to a group of them that might actually have a problem and might be, might take, might just take an instant dislike to me and try and chop my head off. Those are, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's an, an extreme example, but it's, it's not an unreasonable fear right. that some people would have. Yeah, statistically it's improbable, but given what has happened, um, it is rational to apply caution. And yet, and it's not just in... It, in the two sides, roughly, especially on this issue that are formed that are formed in the West, the population on the side of let them all in, really, and and castigating those who would urge caution as being racist and irrational, that they have power, they have the establishment mainstream on their side, the same ones mm. that went into all these right. countries and caused the problems. Um, and and of course that is that breeds conspiracy theory in the sense of it, it breeds suspicion that this is being done deliberately. But I'm not I'm not sure. I think it's obviously it's it's an open ended debate. You could go on and on for. We have had a bit of it here before, but to what extent is that being consciously done? Okay. Well, besides that, um, well, there's something there's something did, weird about it, right? Yeah. There's something weird about the way <clears throat> that the whole thing has transpired uh, it's almost like it has conspired let's say let's not say someone conspired but that it conspired to happen in a, in a very particular way i mean you had um you had 9 11 2001 that launched all of this that that really is the cause of a lot of the problems in the world today and that coincided with the kind of dawn really of the internet age, because only around 2000, around the year 2000, that people were really starting to get on the internet, and it's only in a, f- a few years after that that you had things like Facebook and YouTube and all this kind of mass, uh, you know, social media uh, platforms uh, that people could, you know, express themselves, and that's where a lot of the noise is today on on social media or is is, is in 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 the, 
in societies in Western societies today is on social media and it's via the media. <clears throat> I mean, before the internet, before you could go and look at CNN on, online, you had to go and buy, well, you couldn't buy anything from CNN, right? Do they have a paper? No, I don't think so. The Washington Post, the Washington Times, the New York Times or any of those newspapers, you had to actually go and buy a newspaper to read about it, right? I think you had to buy cable TV to get CNN. Right, for CNN you had to watch it on TV, but people weren't spending the amount of time they were uh, online, there were no, no such thing as computers that people had in their houses that they spent, some people spending long hours every day. So the whole thing has just all happened, come together at the same time, you know, as 9-11 happened and then everything that happened since then, then you had this opening up of of the ability for people to express themselves immediately and directly in real time on the internet, you know, and as a result of that, you have this flowering of 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 conflict and division in society. It, it's something weird about it, no? Mm. There's something, I'm not saying it's calculated, but there's something fortuitous, or that's the wrong word maybe, uh, something um, serendipitous maybe yeah. uh, about the whole thing, you know? Well, along those lines, my closing point on this would be... Um, yeah, people are waking up, but to what? Or maybe maybe a better way of putting it is, what is it that is waking up in mm. people? You know, that's that's a scary thought. Um, mm. Like, you remember, I, I believed it and expressed it a lot myself. Um, I think a lot of people still do. Kind of, um, okay, so the world's a dark place, or it has a lot of dark things that go, in on, go on on it. And that's to be woke to the, the horror of the matrix and the horror, the, the terror of history, as uh, Eliad put it. Um, but they would come to a kind of an optimistic or hopeful viewpoint when they went, you know what, a lot people are waking up. They're few for now, but they're waking up and they're waking up in bigger numbers mm. and things are going on. And, and then there's another event that's caused a shock and there's more waking up going on. But if it's the case that there's different types of who are becoming activated, woke, mm. according to deeper beliefs, hell, their programming, judging and judging by the trend of things becoming more and more and more divisive, and polemic and even violent in terms of attacks on people for or, or people getting banned for espousing viewpoints and so on. The darker prognosis for this is it's not pointing towards a kind of a singularity where we all wake up and, you know, work towards world peace and harmony. Rather, it's it's pointing to the activation of these different types becoming increasingly bitter and vi ultimately violent towards one another. So, yeah, we're waking up to, but to what? A kind of a... A war, yeah, uh, the mother of all standoffs, really, mm. and it's two basic sides, but there are lots of overlapping factions and so on. So there's more than just the potential for my side and your side. Oh, who are you with? Oh, well, thank God, I'm in safe company now. At least I'm over here with, because within that there will be different. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's a waking up going on, but to what? You know. What rough beast. <clears throat> it's our come round at last. Yates. Slouches towards Bethlehem. Or maybe not Bethlehem. Uh, slouches towards Beth Bethlehem to be born. Um, the center cannot hold. 
Yeah. That one. Good poem. Yeah. The second coming. Um I I don't know what to what what to say about it. There's not much to say at this point because it seems like the past few months I've had the impression that you know people have kind of the people that are going to make a choice that are going to decide on one vision of reality or another um, have kind of made their choice, you know, most of them. And, you know, beforehand you have this kind of, um, you have this cacophony of fighting and shouting and people, at each, you know, arguing, let's say, over their their own particular ideologies and the way their vision of the of society and vision of the world. But it's almost like <clears throat> as a result of that uh, argumentation, uh, people have had enough essentially to make a decision and they've kind of separated out into their opposing camps, let's say, in their own in their own minds, you know. And it's almost like there's a there's a kind of a quiet that has come over that 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 battlefield, if you know what I mean. And it's not a battlefield yet, it was just a it was a it was a training camp. Well or a, a an arguing uh, a shouting match type thing and a quiet has come over it because uh, people have taken their positions effectively and the only thing left to happen now is uh, is for a battle to be to be enjoined you know um, in in one way or another um, and and I don't know I mean everything that happens on the political level as well you know the high level politics the whole Russia business and Trump uh, it's all sounding to me more and more like just so much noise, you know, that there's something else, you know, waiting to, something bigger waiting to happen, some kind of denouement, and everything else is just, it's just noise. And even the people who are shouting about, like, them shouting about Russia, I mean, there's nothing to be achieved through any of that. There's nothing being achieved except, it's almost like it's a distraction in a certain sense to keep people distracted from something else. Uh, because nothing is really going to be achieved. You know, there's not going to be any World War Three between the U.S. and Russia. You know, and Trump, Trump is a real kind of, <laughs> he's a real fly in the ointment for a lot of people, obviously. But, but the way that he just has made a kind of a, you could say that he's made a mockery of American politics. But from my perspective, he's actually um, exposed American politics for and Western politics in general for the, for the kind of uh, corrupt. Crony, cronyist outfit that it, that that it really is, you know, and always has been, or has been for a very long time. Uh, and he just he, he doesn't stand on ceremony. He's not. He doesn't try and appear, you know, presidential and you know, polished and all that kind of stuff. He's just and he and he engages in bizarre kind of politicking where he like level a threat at Iran that it's going to be, you know, it'll go down in the in the worst fiery cataclysm, you know, I nukes, whatever, it'll suffer the worst, it'll, it'll, it'll be in the worst pain than anybody's ever been in. And, and in words, all of history. In all of history, and words like that. And then he turns around... To you know, a country that's 5,000 years old. <clears throat> right. And then he turns around a few, few days later and says, well, maybe I'll talk to Iran, actually. It's, it's all good. And people are like, what? You know, it's, so it's like... But that's the... You know, th that makes a farce out of the whole thing, And but it actually exposes a, a, a truth about uh, Western policy, politics is that it mostly is a bit of a farce, you know, that a lot of stuff is said to the public. I mean, people can't complain that Trump is saying stuff to the public that isn't true because politicians have said, have told the public lies 
you know, and said and told them things that were not true for, for most of history, you know. So he's simply there's an unveiling happening, if you know what I mean, <clears throat> for for a lot of people uh, via Trump, you know, an unveiling of the truth of of how politics actually works because Trump can can do that and it works quite well, you know. If if that was something that 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 was not in any way um, kind of part of the way politics works or part of the pol- political landscape, then it wouldn't work. You know, it would it would it would break down. It would fail. He he w- he wouldn't be able to run the country. Wouldn't be able to run a government type thing. But he's actually able to run it quite well, uh, as good as anybody else, effectively. Um, so that means that you know, uh, the the reality behind the scenes has always been one of just you know, of of mostly bullshit. You know. While the country kind of runs itself behind the scenes, and the government is just meant to be there to kind of provide a, a veneer or appearance of, of 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 authority, you know, to keep people quiet so they can they can be content that well somebody's looking after the difficult stuff. But actually, if you look at the way any country runs, it's the people are running it. You know, that's not to say that a hierarchy isn't necessary, but it, uh, people should should realize that uh, to, well they should certainly stop or not deify, you know or uh, elevate their political leaders beyond what they really are, you know. We've seen in the UK as well, like with people like, you know, the kind of calibre of people, you know, uh, that populate governments and, and supposedly take all the decisions, stuff like Boris Johnson and stuff, you know, Boris Johnson in the UK, guy's a complete... I mean, if you saw him in a pub, you, you wouldn't... You wouldn't you'd want to leave, like, I mean, you wouldn't want to be anywhere near him because he's... Unless you're a similar type of kind of... Uh, Old boy, old old Eton kind of school, you know, private school, uh, uh, old imperial type type thing who likes jokes about the the darkies and that kind of stuff and guffawing and slapping each other on the back type of thing. In that you know? case, you'd recognise a kind of spirit. Yeah, but right. there's not many people like that. You know what I mean? I mean, there's not many people go to Eton and private schools like that. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of this denouement, I don't know quite what you had in mind, but what came to mind for me was we'll see further explicitly totalitarian measures, moves, events, laws um, being foisted on people. And I wondered if this thing that happened last week where Alex Jones slash Infowars, I'm not sure whether it was his accounts or more Both. generally Infowars, were just simply deplatformed across mm. the board simultaneously on five... Mm different um, platforms, obviously suggesting there had been a, an agreement and a decision had been reached, and boom. He's not quite there yet, but it's like rendering someone unperson, especially in this time and age, and given his medium and his profession, yeah. you are now unperson. But obviously it attracts a lot more people to his, it gives him a, it gives him a lot of attention, and it gets he gets a sympathy vote, and he gets the, the people... A lot more people would assume, let's say, or would be open to the idea that he may have been saying something that was valuable, you know. So there's certainly it's a it's a double edged sword mm. in that respect. And also, unless you can make sure that Alex Jones never appears on the internet anywhere, again, you've probably shot yourself in the foot. And mm-hmm. uh, well, that was deliberate or not, I don't know, because I mean, Alex Jones obviously says a bunch of uh, a lot of crazy stuff, you know. Um, uh, so he's it, a real mix of of truth and and uh, and nonsense, really. You know. So um, something that needs to be said is uh, to those of the right complaining that 
is mainly them being targeted. Maybe you can make that case, but a lot of key, key, I don't know how key they are, but a lot of lefty sites are also being hit. In, in this, usually in the same clandestine ways by shadow banning, mm. um, blocking likes, or listing them as fake news and then shunting them off to, you know, crappy news feeds or, or, or all the various sneaky underhanded ways Facebook and Twitter are doing it. Um, but this week, the day after, um, a lesser well-known lefty site was also just unpublished, just just taken off Facebook completely. And that's Venezuela analysis. Um, they're basically English language, probably a group of journalists, um, based mostly in Caracas, Venezuela, reporting on situation there. Uh, just boom, you're gone. So it, it, it's happening. It's happening to dissent of any kind. It, it's not on ideological grounds in terms of left right. It's it's something that's obviously more nuanced than that. And in the end, I suppose what they all have in common is things that report truths that the powers that be don't want reported, basically. Mm. Um, Venezuela analysis obviously would have come under, would have gotten a lot more traffic recently after the previous week's attempted assassination mm -hmm. of Nicolas Maduro. What what happened there? Was that like a botched operation? Has the CIA just gone uh, sloppy? I don't, I don't think so. It, it sounds CIA? like it's something organized by the. I mean, in 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 league with the CIA, perhaps perhaps with some help from the CIA, but certainly it seems like it was uh, an operation. Um, Put together by the well, the anti anti Maduro, anti Chavista uh, block in Venezuela, the right wing, let's say. Um, but certainly more interested in making a show of well, warning that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, I can't imagine. I'm, I would imagine that they would have appreciate like liked the idea if they had. Uh, they would have been happy if they, if they had killed him, you know. But the fact is, the drone kind of blew up fairly high up in the air, kind of over the. He was at a speech, you know, so it was a rally or whatever. And, it was in, in a big kind of open area and it blew up, you know, maybe a couple few hundred feet up in the air, kind of out in front of him, you know. So it was seems weird. It probably it might have been on a timer or something and that was botched, whatever. So it was, you know, it certainly wasn't, didn't have the kind of uh, the craft of, of, a, of a Western intelligence that I'm sure would be, would have been able to, to, to do that more, more effectively, you know. Because um, if it got that close, why could it not have got closer, you know. It's hard to say. But, um, yeah, well, it's, just I mean, it's, it's typical. It's in keeping with the um, right-wing, in quotes, opposition to Maduro in that country. I mean, they're almost universally portrayed in Western media, left and right, alternate, alternative, independent, and mainstream. Uh, Maduro's government is portrayed as mad, either mad socialist dictator because socialism is lefty, thus evil, or he's a dictator you know, and both socialist dictator, yeah. yes, at the same time. Um, <clears throat> which is and weird, yet, the and by implication, the protesters that they're speaking up for who want normal good things, right? Oh, the right wing ones, the ones, the ones who keep the, the they, they're the ones who keep the uh, keep the minorities as you know, as almost unpaid help and, and kind of slaves in their, in their big fancy houses. Yeah, they're, they're generally so they have, from the middle class, the wealthier. Yeah. Classes, but right, so their have... behavior in protesting it, it is getting more and more. It doesn't surprise me that 
there's been an attempted assassination with, with drones and bombs because they've been setting off bombs mm-hmm. before now. They've been killing police. They are behaving. This is pretty much like Kiev. They're mm-hmm. behaving like Yuki's uh, at the Maidan. Yeah. So uh, the con- and there's nothing. There's nothing redeemable ab- about them that you want to be identifying with mm. and speaking up for against the evil socialist tyranny. But, not in this context. Yeah, but the bizarre contrast there is that you have country uh, um, op- outfits like CNN uh, that have that are totally anti-Trump and totally, you know, fully for uh, the kind of progressive movement in the, in in America uh, are talking trash about the socialists. Uh, the leftists, effectively, in Venezuela, and big upping the right wing, right wingers. So effectively, CNN, who trashes Trump and Trump supporters in America, is fully behind the equivalent, the the same type of people in in Venezuela. The right wing. It's the right wing that the right wingers who bear a lot of them bear all of the same or have all of the same attitudes and beliefs as right wingers in the U.S. Uh, Yet CNN supports them while trashing them in America. So, how can you take someone like that? How can you take anybody like that seriously? But then again, how can you take that kind of any kind of ideology, fixed ideology? You know, uh, anybody who who holds to a kind of a fixed ideology in the world today seriously, you can't take them seriously because they're it's, by definition people who hold to those ideologies are are unthinking people. Mm-hmm. They're people who engage in oversimplified black and white thinking. In the end, they're rooting for their team. Yeah. Which Although is, at home they're in a polemic against the opponents, it's kind of like when it translates to anything outside of NATO stand, outside of the West, oh, well, that's my team, and they will defend their team in that context. It's bizarre, though. It's Well, what they're defending is the CIA, right? The CIA and friends, yeah. The because, same because that's, that's who people behind the fake from. news hurting their Trump. Right. Well, that's... Well, yeah, that's who the... Well, no, no, I mean, the... CNN is in in defending right wingers in Venezuela. They're essentially taking their cue from the CIA, right? Right. So CNN is like most of the other media outlets in the US are part of the War Party and have been going back to two thousand three and Saddam's weapons of mass destruction and you know Gaddafi's bombing his own people in Syria, gassing his own people. You know these are people who are who are. Full, full-on exponents of, of the deep state, and of course they find common cause there because today they don't like Trump and the deep state doesn't like Trump either. Doesn't like right wingers. Doesn't like alt right. But they like the alt right down in Venezuela, for totally different reasons. It's not ideological, American ideological. In that point, it's 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 uh, it's about geopolitics. Right. It's about the CIA wanting to get its hands on. And, and politicians and corporations in the U.S. wanting to get their hands on Venezuela, so then you can totally flip your allegiance because mm. because money. So it's it's absolutely cynical, you know. And yeah. um, Venezuela is probably a whole other topic because I mean we can debate as to which of the factors that are are causing the crisis in the country are internal and which, as the government there has routinely claimed, are external being done to it. But just note that right now, there's it's possibly going to blow up uh, in Turkey. There's a, The Turkish lira has crashed. Wow. And there's talk that, the, that they might be on... The, they, might, they, they themselves have issued public statements saying that them were well, coming under attack. Well, yeah, but Erdogan's saying... financial, this, international terrorists. Erdogan, whether, whether it's true or not, has come out and said, that's nonsense, you know, that's just has pure he? propaganda. There's nothing where the country... 
economy oh, well. isn't, isn't collapsing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's 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 just pure because part of an attack on a country is propaganda as well. Right. I mean, you can you can affect the economy of a country by by talking about talking badly about the economy, right? Which you affects can, the markets and you know, investors start to in the pull markets, out. Blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that's part of the attack. You know, it's propaganda. Well, we've seen that with Russia. Obviously, the major the main arrow in the West's quiver against Russia over the past four or five years has been information. Nothing. I mean, they, they haven't really, they we, have done nothing to, to, but, but, to but directly attack Russia in any kind of a... Countermeasures in, in, a, in a more concrete form, although it's still largely no, it's digital, w were necessary. Like, the people have remarked about it, the way that they handle, the, at the financial level, handled the attacks because the ruble did fall and it yeah. was they thought here it goes it's going to start tumbling mm. but they activated a, a kind of a russian investment fund that mm. they'd been pouring oil money into and saving for exactly this kind of scenario mm -hmm. they kept buying gold right so the, but in terms of took, the and the balance of what of what has happened over the post fast four or five years against russia in terms of the it's, news it's, it's information most of it has been yeah. putin killed my baby putin's an evil dictator yeah. Putin and Trump collusion, you know, it's been trying to, de to the point where they've just demonized. I mean, an example is, is the World Cup in Russia there, you know, mm -hmm. it had, uh, particularly from, from certain countries, mostly Western European countries, or Western countries, you had uh, kind of historic low attendance by people from the UK and France and stuff, simply because of what the media has been saying about Russia. Yeah. You know, so that's an economic uh, impact, let's say, to some extent. Not a, well, it was, not a significant one, but, but it was an economic filled by impact. people from everywhere else in the right. world. Yeah, there were seven and a half million people. I think I read that they went to Russia. Yeah, it was eighty thousand Chinese, and the Chinese didn't even have a football team there. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, the the only thing I'd say about the uh, one thing, maybe one last thing I wanted to say about the the left right divide is is that we, like I said at the beginning of the show, is that we uh, we understand the appeal of progressive politics or progressive ideologies of um, wanting everyone to live uh, peacefully and also to reduce the amount of suffering in any given society that you know people shouldn't be uh, subjected to undue uh, suffering or have to have to deal with it you know but that's <clears throat> the key word there is undue suffering you know or unnecessary suffering because what it seems that particularly in the uh, and the more radical aspects of of the right wingers and progressives, it, it's they seem to be pushing for this idea or, or for an idea of removing all suffering behind their behind the scenes or deeper down in their subconscious, whatever their motivation is to uh, remove any suffering from uh, individual, personal, or in general social life, and that anywhere where suffering of any type raises its ugly head, it should be stamped out. And if necessary, it should be legislated mm -hmm. away. Enforced. That's enforced, another key enforced, aspect enforced of it. Enforced by legislation. And that seems to be, that's an unrealistic, let's say, approach to take. And it's doomed to failure and it's doomed to create conflict. If you're going to have to force through law, effectively, people to... Uh, be tolerant. To be tolerant. It's intolerant now to be tolerant. Or vice versa. We must only tolerate tolerant people. I mean, it's obviously yeah. going to produce conflict. What we're seeing, right? And they and they hope they can get the state behind them to to enforce that. But then that's going to just create social social chaos. It'll create far more social conflict than would uh, there, than there would be 
uh, under normal situation, a normal situation, we just allow for some natural, you know, some kind of racism or sexism. You allow men to kind of like some men, or whatever, to wolf whistle at women in the street or whatever that kind of thing. And even even worse things than that, you know, you you accept the fact that there's going to be a certain amount of suffering in life. That it's it's a uh, it's a natural part of life, life's experience that everybody experiences some level of suffering, uh, and uh, in different ways. And that you have to accept that, and you do your best to alleviate and to minimise the unnecessary suffering. But beyond that, you don't you don't push it any further, uh, because you're going to ultimately you're going to uh, stray into infringing individual rights. And once you start uh, infringing on individual rights for one person, then you'll start doing it for everybody. And ultimately, you just create a backlash. It's I mean, it's it's so eminently foreseeable that that's what's going to happen if if this process is is taken to its illogical extreme mm-hmm. uh it's i don't know i mean it, that's why they're called crazy people because i mean if you can't see some, something as obvious as that then there's something wrong with you you know what i mean but when you're in the grip of an ideology apparently you don't really see reality very clearly part you of only what see makes, your ideology yeah part of what makes this such a tragedy is that there are many things that have been traditionally leftist wants, let's say, fundaments that would be part of the utopia that they envisioned. There are many things that are universally agreed. They've done all kinds of research by polling people and just rephrasing it a little different. And functionally, there are some key leftist wants that are shared universally. You would get 80 and 90% of people saying, "That's a, yes, definitely, that's, that's, what we, that's what we either want or we would like to see more of because many of these things are already incorporated, you know, basic rights for workers, holidays and so on. And some kind of, well, it's a pejorative term, but socialized Medicare where there's, you know, everyone, no one needs to be in terror of breaking an arm because mm-hmm. that will cause more pain. Like that's ridiculous. Everyone agrees on a lot of the basic things mm-hmm. and the leftists still today are saying, well, hang on, those things haven't been brought in yet. We're just looking for those. But there are all these other extreme things that are tacked on. Mm. And unfortunately, some of them don't realize, some of them do, and they distance themselves from it. But it's it's like it's too late. It's all, it's these things have tacked on and used just and universally accepted causes or wants mm-hmm. of most people to bring in some extreme things that, are universally rejected or almost universally rejected, you know? Um, and that's why this is why it's such a, yeah, it's what makes it a tragedy, you know? Because, yeah. um, well, we're going to have to wait and see. There's so much that could make the world a better place, but. Yeah, but you need level headed people basically who are in, able to engage in nuanced thinking and, and see down the line a little bit and not just live in the moment and their immediate needs and wants, you know? Um, but there's very few of those people around, and apparently a number has been done on people to, in Western society in particular, to to make that an impossibility for an awful lot of people, you mm-hmm. know. And so we're just gonna have to wait and see where where it goes. But uh, I suspect, like I was saying earlier on, that, that there's some something else is going to come along to uh, to kind of really wake people up, you know, in a proper way, <clears throat> and maybe bring them back to re- reality a bit. At least we can hope, or we can only hope that that. That that'll happen, you know, because right now it's just it's just pure madness. Something something needs to come along to to stop the madness, you know. But I think we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. We hope you like this video, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you liked it, like like it, push the like button, 
push the subscribe button, click on it. And also, what's the other one, Scotty? The info button? Notifications. Notifications. I the keep getting bell. that wrong. The notification button. Give that up. Give the bell a ring there as well. So until next time, uh, have a good day. See you next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>